Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Holy Spirit, come rest. Holy Spirit, come rest. God, we lift up the name above every other name, the name that is Jesus. Father, I just sense your spirit in this place. There's an atmosphere of faith. God, that heaven is coming to invade the darkness and the light is going to overcome this morning in Jesus' name. Father, we know you went to Calvary. You took every sin, every bondage, every chain, every depression, and you nailed it to the cross as you bled out and died. God, and you rose again victorious. And so, Father, right now, I remind the devil of that victory. And this morning, we exercise that victory by faith as sons and daughters of the living God. We remind him that his plans fail, that God has overcome, that we serve a living God. He's not dead. He's alive. And this morning, I thank you, the same resurrection power that rested on Christ rests on our people in Jesus' name. And I thank you this morning that we would walk in a breakthrough and we'd walk in a miracles and we'd walk in a God entering this place and entering hearts right now in Jesus' name. Father, we declare it by faith. Holy Spirit, come. Come rest on us. God, we desire you this morning. We cry out on the name that is above every other name. The name that is Jesus. Would you come and encounter your people this morning? God has set them free. Father, we thank you. Father, right now I just pray for the conviction of the Holy Spirit to begin to stir hearts. God, that conviction that would draw people under you. God, that would draw people like gravity back to you, back to the cross, back to your faith this morning. God, right now, the conviction of the Holy Spirit beginning to minister in the lives and in the hearts this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Can we just lift up the name of Jesus? Come on. Holy Spirit, come on. You're all I need. Tell me if you've got Jesus, you've got enough. Amen. Amen. Worship team, you are amazing. Thank you so much, CJ. Thank you. You may be seated, church. Well, good morning, everybody. So good to see your smiling faces. Welcome to Freedom Sunday. We made it through a week of prayer and fasting. That is a miracle in itself. Come on. But you know what? I really believe God wants to move this morning. Freedom Sunday. Maybe for some of you, you've been carrying weights and chains and conviction, uh, conviction, burdens, things that you've just been carrying for too long. And it's time for God to move again by power in your life and to set you free. Because who knows who the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen. So this morning I want to start by giving you just a quick one-on-one or a refresher, if you will, on the theology of freedom. And then we're going to go from there. So Colossians 2.13 says this, that when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh... God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, 
having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us, he's taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Yay. And so we've got to know and understand and remember that Christ purchased our freedom when he went to the cross. When he died, his death and his resurrection canceled the charge that sin brings against us in our life. And so when we receive the cross in its entirety, we receive the work that Christ did for us. Yeah. We receive that grace. We receive that mercy. We receive its fullness. And so we receive freedom. But I want to tell you this morning that there's a difference between receiving the promise of freedom and actually walking free. One is given to you as a free gift of grace. The other actually requires us to walk out what it is that we believe. Amen. Amen. And so as the, the Apostle Paul exhorted his son in the faith, Timothy, he said, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of of many witnesses and so living free in your life is a state of being that we enter into as we continue to mature and grow in Christ it's taking that promise from God the work of the cross that seed in our lives and choosing to plant it into good soil amen choosing to protect it and nurture it and look after it so that it becomes a tree of faith in our lives with roots that are set deep in Christ a tree that is unshakable and unmovable amen so I want to give you an illustration to help you understand this concept that it's a new year 23. How many of you dusted off the old gym memberships, right? Said, this is the year. It's every year, but this is the year I'm dusting off the membership. I'm getting back into the gym. I'm finally going to become the person I want to be. I'm going to get the body. I'm going to get toned. I'm going to get fit. Amen. Who knows that that membership that you hold gives you access into a place that has the expertise and the tools and the knowledge and the resources to help you become who you want to be. The church, uh, the church, the gym is designed in a certain way to help you achieve what it is you want to achieve. So by holding that membership, you now represent somebody that has the potential to become yeah. everything that that membership says you can be. But who understands that as long as you you can squeeze that membership so hard, but unless you take it and you go to the place that it's giving you access to and enter it and begin to engage in the knowledge and the expertise of the gym, you begin to do the reps, you jump on the bike, you begin to lift the weights, that membership is never going to help you realize the full potential of who you can be. Are you with me this morning, church? As we come together this Sunday, Freedom Sunday, I want to remind you that our freedom in Christ is realized in the battleground of us walking out and working out our faith. And how do we lay hold of and strengthen our faith? Well, we know it's through the Word of God. Amen. And so why does Paul exhort his son Timothy in the faith to fight the good fight of faith? Because whether you want to accept it or not, we are in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual battle. We know that we have an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy in your life anything good, anything godly in your life. And so it's a battle that's been waged since the day Satan fell from grace. It's a battle that takes part, though, in the spiritual realm and then manifests itself often in the physical realm. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so why is it that we can receive in full the work of the cross 
yet sometimes still remain bound? Why is it that we can receive by faith the promise of freedom, yet we don't live free? And I want to suggest this morning, could it be that in a society and a culture that is very consumer-focused, in a culture that doesn't want the work, right, we just want the fix, if, if it's the people that just want to come and consume and get what's going to going to benefit them without necessarily having to do the work. So people have this idea of, I want freedom in my life, but I don't necessarily want to invest in the one who is able to set me free. Amen. So the title of my message this morning is this, Know the Truth. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got to know the truth. You've got to know the truth, right? As Jesus begins his ministry, we see him in Galilee, he's in a synagogue, he's under the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he begins to read from scripture, a piece of scripture that was actually Isaiah prophesying about him 700 years earlier. And he says to the people in the synagogue in Luke 4, 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He set me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so Jesus finishes reading. He hands the scroll back to the synagogue attendant, he kind of sits down, he lets the dramatic pause kind of drag out, everyone's listening and watching him, and then he says to them this, he says, today the scripture has actually been fulfilled in your hearing. So what Jesus effectively is telling those people in this generation is, here I am, I've arrived, this is it, there's no more looking, you don't have to wait, your deliverer is here, there's no more pressing in and waiting for another, I am the one that God has sent. I'm God incarnate. I'm the Messiah. I am Emmanuel. I am the one who does not simply offer freedom, but I've come to you in myself as freedom for you. And we know that what follows is three years of Jesus' ministry, including his death and resurrection. But what I want you to see is that when people met Christ in their affliction, in their bondages, demon-possessed, bound by sickness, it was the very encounter with the Son of God himself in all his power and his authority that was setting people free, that was breaking chains, that was commanding demons out and commanding healing into bodies. Men and women experienced freedom because they had an encounter with the one that is freedom. So what I want you to understand this morning is freedom is not simply something Christ extends to you. He says, I am freedom. So if you will come to know me and enter into relationship with me, by default, your life will begin to experience freedom. Because that is who I am. Amen. Amen. As he spoke to the church in Laodicea in Revelation, he says this, that here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. And I knock and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. And so we know that over the time of Jesus' ministry, often he would enter into debates and, and arguments, I guess, with the scribes and Pharisees of the time that would push back against what he was saying and push get back against his teaching. And in this particular story, in John 8, Jesus is just doing that with the Pharisees and they're arguing about identity and who he is and whose children they are. And so in John 8, 31, it says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching which is my word, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What is the truth? The truth is Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. If you hold fast to my words, then you will know me. And if you know me, you will find freedom in me. Amen. 
So they answered him, well, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me, to kill truth, to kill freedom, because you have no room for my word in you. I want to tell you this morning, church, as we come around Freedom Sunday, if we have no room in our lives for the word of God, how can we then know him? And if we don't know him, how can we expect to walk free in our lives? See, if the enemy can get the word out of you, if he can fill your life rather with distractions and cares and challenges and the weights of this world, so there's no more room to put the word of God in, then he knows he's done his job. Because he's keeping you from freedom by keeping you from knowing the one who declares, I am freedom. Amen? So Jesus replied, I'm telling you what I've seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your Father. Who was their Father? He's saying Satan, sitting behind that spirit of legalism, pushing back on Christ's ministry. So why is it important that we know Jesus is freedom? Why do we need to know that He is the way, the truth, and the life? Because so often, church, we want the gift without knowing the giver. Or we want the benefits of a relationship without investing into it. And we so easily miss this truth that it's our relentless pursuit of relationship with the one who says, I am freedom, the one who gave his life for you. It's there that we actually find the ability to walk free, pursuing relationship with Christ. Jesus is declaring, if you would make me this year your number one pursuit, my ways and my words, then you'll come to know the Son and the Son will set you free. You see, you can't have freedom without the Son. You need to know the Son. And here's the crazy thing, church. Jesus wants you more than you could ever want Him. And He loves you with such a furious and desperate love that declares, I'll never let go of you. And so I want to enlist the help of two women in the Bible this morning to kind of take us on that path forward to freedom. And as I was preparing this message, just spending time with God, I said, God, just let's just talk turkey for a minute. What is the deal with freedom? Just give it to me straight. Why is it that people struggle with freedom? Well, what is it that we need to have in our lives to experience freedom? Because we all need it all the time. And I felt this a problem from the Spirit of God saying that freedom follows in your life a heart posture of repentance, forgiveness, and faith. Where there is repentance where there is forgiveness, and where there is faith, God says, I will open the door for freedom to come into your life. And so in Luke 7, we read the first story of this woman. Verse 36, it says, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Here represents the perfect picture of sin encountering grace 
and be completely overdone by the love of a father for his daughter. A woman that's immersed in sinful living, deciding to draw near to a healer in the very depths of her unworthiness. And my question is, why would this woman, who is living a sinful life, that everyone knows her in the village, everyone knows what she does, take the time and effort to find Jesus and encounter him? Why does she care? Because I believe that the power of the Spirit was so strong on Christ that when he would walk into towns and walk into villages, the conviction of the Spirit of God would rest on people. And he would begin to stir people and break people's heart where somehow they know I'm not worthy in the condition I am, but I've got to just get close to Jesus. Something is drawing me to him. I've got to find him. I'm broken in of myself. I know what I feel and I sense it. It's the conviction of God. I've got to get close to Jesus. And so here's this woman, very unworthy, very unclean, considered very impure, making a decision at the risk of receiving judgment and condemnation and rebuke to draw near to Jesus, to draw near to this rabbi, to make a scene and a spectacle of herself because she knows that perhaps in her brokenness and her unworthiness, somehow the man whom she's going to kneel before could be her savior, could set her free, could forgive her. And when the Pharisees who had invited him saw what he was doing, the Pharisee said to himself, this man was a prophet. He would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will he love more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who has the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Because as far as Jesus is concerned, this woman's come in. Simon hasn't seen this woman. What he's seen is what her life represents. Yeah. Sin. She's unclean. She's unholy. She's not worthy to be in my presence. And Jesus says, no, no, no. You need to begin to see people as I see them. And I don't see them defined by their sin, defined by their dysfunction. I see them as my children who are worthy of an opportunity to experience grace and mercy and redemption. Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured um, perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Why is this woman so undone? Because carrying the weight and the wages of her sinful living, she comes close to Jesus. And in that moment, experiences not condemnation, not judgment, but love and forgiveness and acceptance, and it breaks the power of darkness, and it begins to unlock in her healing and freedom. At no time does Jesus identify this woman by her sin. At no time does he push her away when she comes to draw near to him. And isn't this just a beautiful picture of God's love and grace and mercy, extending his arms out to you and I, saying, if you would just come as you are, I don't see you by the mistakes you've made in your life. 
I don't see you by the struggles that you're facing right now. If you would come to me, I promise you this, that I see you as I made you. I see you as a son and daughter that carries the living spirit of God on the inside of you. And if you would come to me, you'll find love. You'll find forgiveness. You'll find healing. You'll find freedom. But you know, we have a part to play in that invitation. We've got to come humble, right? We've got to come push aside pride and self-reliance and come with a heart that is ready to repent. God, I'm sorry, forgive me. God, I've messed up. I've walked this journey this week and I haven't done it well and I've disappointed myself for I've I haven't been the dad or the father or the worker or the brother or the sister that I should have been. I've messed up. God, would you forgive me? Would you forgive me? Would you extend your hand of grace and mercy? I love you. I'm so thankful what it is that you've done in my life that you saved me, that you've redeemed me, that you've called me your own. God, would you forgive me? I'm sorry. Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to this woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your willingness to believe when everything on the inside of you or on the outside of you is saying, why would you even bother? Why would you even come to the house of this rabbi? He's not going to look at you. He doesn't have time for you. She goes, no, no, I've got to get to him. I've got to make a way to him. Your willingness to do whatever it takes to come to the foot of the cross, understanding this, that there's only one who saves. There's only one who heals. There's only one who forgives, and his name is Jesus. He says, woman, that decision by faith has saved you. Sometimes, you know, it's a decision we've got to make over and over again in our lives. Coming back to the Father. This woman entrusted herself into the hands of Jesus, declaring that at the cost of being rejected, at the cost of being pushed away, it was worth the possibility of receiving forgiveness. Amen. And I want to ask you this morning, is there forgiveness you and I need to extend right now? Oh, and we know this is a touchy subject, right? Justin, you don't know. Don't start talking to me about forgiveness. You don't know my situation. You don't know my journey. You don't know my circumstances. There is no ways I can forgive. But can I tell you something? God has forgiven you. The Bible says in the very darkest of times when you did not know him and you were completely immersed in sinful living, God said, I loved you and I forgave you and I sent my son for you. What incredible grace. What incredible mercy. And I want to tell you this. You may find it hard to forgive, but I'm telling you, forgiveness is not for someone else. It's for you. If you would make a decision by faith to say, God, I don't want to do this. I don't feel this. God, what that person has done for me, they don't deserve it. But I, by faith, am declaring right now, God, that I forgive, that I release that I will let go because I don't want my life to be lived in bitterness. I don't want to be bound by something someone's done to me, be held captive because God says, I've come to set you free. And part of that process is we've got to learn how to forgive. We've got to learn how to let go and say, God, by faith, I'm not feeling it now, but the feeling will come. I make the decision today to say, you know what? I wake up every day and I choose to forgive. I choose to let go. I choose to release because I walk in freedom. And I know the one who sets me free 
Amen. Amen. Double church. I want to show you the faith of another woman who did not know God, a Canaanite woman, living a life outside of the covenant relationship between God and his people. Matthew 15, verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. It's weird, it's awkward, it's annoying. We're on our way somewhere. This woman is following us, and she's relentless. She keeps crying out. She keeps wanting to get your attention. Let's just do something about it. Jesus eventually answers, and he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And this woman came and knelt before him and said, Lord, help me. Help me. He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. If we just stop there for a minute, who has struggled with this scripture? And I'll be honest, I have struggled with it. Here is Jesus, right? The one who is our Savior, full of grace and mercy, preaching love and forgiveness. Now, treating this woman completely contrary to what his teachings say, we should. Effectively, he's insulting her. And he's seemingly unmoved and cold in her response and her pleading. But everybody say but. But. Herein lies a purpose to this story. Herein lies a purpose to the response and the interaction. See, this interaction was not what it seemed on the surface. And I remember God revealing this to me once as I was pressing in on the scriptures. What Jesus was trying to do here was not take a dig at this woman. He was trying to dig into her. To find something. What was he trying to find? Well, how does this woman respond to this insult? She goes, yes, it is, Lord. Yes, it is. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Jesus says to the woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted and your daughter was healed at that moment. The moment Jesus heard the first desperate cry of this woman. He's on his way to somewhere else. This is voice in the background crying out after him. Lord, Lord God, son of David, have mercy on me. The moment he heard that cry, I believe he knew exactly what was going on inside of her. And he saw great faith. He saw great faith. There was a faith that was unrelenting and unwilling to give up, unwilling to concede in the face of opposition. What Jesus was wanting to do was draw that faith out of her. He was trying to draw that faith out of her in order that she could lay hold of a miracle that he had for her. And so I want to tell you this morning, God always sees greater faith in you than you will ever see in yourself. When God looks at you, he sees a faith that's already there to overcome giants, move mountains, a faith that is unwilling to let go and concede defeats. But sometimes you will go through seasons in your life where you've got to reach down deep and exercise that faith. That faith that says, God, I'm not giving up and I'm not stopping and I'm not letting go and I'm standing on the word of God until you move. Sometimes God will take you through those seasons and seem contrary to who he is in the Bible, not because he's being sadistic, not because he's being mean, but he wants to draw faith out of you so that you know you have the ability in Christ Jesus to overcome. 
And sometimes freedom in our life is worth fighting for. And sometimes the enemy says, well, we're going to go head to head. Are you going to be the person of faith to go, let's go. It's on. I am prepared to fight for what I believe because I know the one who is freedom. And his name is Jesus Christ. Sometimes we have to do some time on the battlefield to make way for the answers of God to find us. As the angel Gabriel said to Daniel, he said, you've been praying and fasting for an answer. Take heart. It's coming. But right now, I've had to do battle in the spiritual realm against principalities and powers to make way for the prayers to find you. So we've got to become a people that get that grunt on the inside of us by faith to say, I'm going to keep pushing in until the answer arrives, until God moves. You see, this woman, knowing who she was, knowing she was undeserving, making a spectacle of herself at the feet of Jesus, the moment Jesus said, woman, hang on a second, no, no. This isn't for you. It's for my children. She could have walked away broken and defeated and said, okay, God. But she didn't. She leant in and she said, no, hang on, Jesus. I'm sorry. No. No, no. Even the crumbs that fall. I'm worthy. I'm deserving. I know who you are. I may not be Jewish. I may not be an Israelite, but I know who you are. I know what you've been doing. You can heal my daughter. So here I am. What's it going to be? I need an answer, Jesus. Jesus said, I found it. There it is. You've got it. You've got faith. You've got faith and because you were unrelenting, you knew it's given to you. In that that moment, her daughter was healed. If you would be a fighter of faith, if you, I'm telling you, God has miracles for you this morning in this place and he's going to set people free. But I want to tell you, will you get a bit of grunt on the inside of you in 23 to say, God, I'm not backing down and I'm not letting go. I am going to be the person that follows you wherever you go and I will keep calling out on the name of Jesus until you turn around and say, here it is. I'm not losing faith. I'm not losing hope because I stand on the word of God and I know the son and your word says, if you know the son, he'll set you free. Amen. Amen. Now I get the band up this morning if I can. Sometimes we've got to do battle on the field to see those answers coming through. But I'm telling you now, church, God is faithful. God is faithful and he loves you. And he wants to call out of you a faith that's going to move mountains in 23. Some of you have been facing obstacles and challenges and carrying chains that are too heavy for you. But I'm telling you this morning, if you would make a decision by faith to come before him, You may not feel worthy like this woman did. You may feel that people would judge you or condemn you, but I'm telling you, it's not about them right now. It's about you and God. It's about you and Jesus. It's about you believing by faith that he went to the cross and he died for you. He died and he gained victory that nothing the enemy throws at you would overcome you. But you have the power and authority in Jesus to command it under your feet and see chains broken in your life. All it takes is one encounter with Jesus. All it takes is one moment in his presence. The one who declares, I am freedom. I am your reconciliation. I am your healed marriage. I am your children coming back to you. I am your hope. I am your future. Just one moment. But would you stand up and fight for it this year, church? We say, God, I'm not backing down. I'm not letting go. I'm going to pray and I'm going to press in, God, until you make a way where there seems no way in my life. Jeremiah 29.10, prophet is speaking to Israel, they're captive in Babylon. 
They were once the favored people of God now living in exile. And Jeremiah the prophet declares to them this. He says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Do you want to find God this year, church? Do you want to find Jesus this year? He said, if you would call out on me and seek me, not just when it's convenient, not just when you're feeling to. He says, if you would seek me with all your heart, then I promise you will find me. And when you find me, you'll find the one that is freedom. You'll enter into freedom. You'll enter into grace. You'll enter into mercy. I love that Jeremiah says to Israel, you're going to get out of Babylon, but it's not going to be by your own devices. It's not going to start with you having a great plan. It's not going to start with you pushing back on a king. You've got to start by just seeking me. If you will seek me, I will bring you back. If you will seek me, I will deal with the problem. If you will seek me, I will break the chains. If you will seek me, I will carry you when you can't walk anymore. If you will, I will. If you will draw near, so will I. If you will make a decision to come by faith and kneel at the foot of the cross and at my feet, by faith you will be set free. If you will, I will. Sometimes we spend so long in captivity and all God is waiting for is a, I will. I will, God. I'm tired of this. I'm sick of this. I'm not looking at the same mountains again in 23. God, I will seek you with all that I am. God, would you come through for me? Why don't we stand this morning? We're going to open up this altar and I want... I want everyone down on the altar this morning, church. Now's not the time to think maybe, possibly another day. Now's the opportunity. Now's the opportunity. Don't let God walk by you in this moment. Miracles happen to those that call out on the name of God. Lord, Son of David, would you help me? Would you heal me? God, would you stop for a minute and encounter me? I'm going to ask the ministry team to come and get ready. The Spirit of God is in this place. And people are going to be set free. And I'm going to take you right now. For a process right now, just for a couple of minutes, we're going to come with a heart that is repentance. And a heart that is forgiving. And I believe as we do that, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is going to stir on the inside of you and bring you. So right now, why don't you just take a moment and lift your hands to God and say, God, I come with a heart that is repentant. God, for those times maybe I haven't believed. God, for those times I've walked away. God, for those times where I've missed the mark and I've messed up. God, I'm sorry. God, I open my heart. Would you forgive me? God, I ask for your grace and your mercy and your tender loving kindness right now in Jesus' name. Come on, church, just take a minute. God, forgive me. Lord, I thank you that you are a God of the second chance, the third chance, the fourth chance. And I ask that you would walk with me again. I start anew and afresh right now. Holy Spirit, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, thank you. 
But right now, right now, we just gotta, we just gotta, we just gotta pray for forgiveness. I'm telling you, this is such a significant step in freedom. I feel some of you have been wrestling with this. Justin, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. You just don't understand what's happened. I've been shortchanged, I've been let down, I've been broken, I've been used, I've been abused. You don't understand. But I hear the word of the Father saying, if you would, give that to me. Give it to me. Leave it at the foot of the cross. God, it's so hard and I'm so embarrassed and it's a shame. And God, if you would bring it to him. Right now, he says, I will cover it. And I will help you overcome through forgiveness. So right now, by faith, you may not feel it. But I want you to declare it by faith. God, I forgive. God, I release. God, I give that person to you. God, I refuse to be bound anymore by bitterness, by anger, by guilt, by shame. God, right now, I release it to you and I declare forgiveness. Forgiveness. God, as you have forgiven me, so I forgive. As you have forgiven me, so I forgive. They may not deserve it, but neither did you. God has forgiven. God, I forgive. Right now, I want you to lift your hands. By faith, that woman at the foot of Jesus, that woman on the road, by faith, do you believe he is the one who can set you free? Jesus, I'm coming to the foot of the cross and I give you everything that has bound me and broken me kept me in the dark God right now I believe that you are the one who died on the cross and rose again that I would walk in freedom and right now I ask that you would set me free the power of the Holy Spirit I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith can we come down to the altar church can you come forward onto the altar let's do it together by faith come on come down a step of faith. It's a step of faith. It's a step of faith this morning. I'm going to ask our ministry team to begin to come and minister and pray over you, but I'm going to ask the worship team if they would just lead us in worship. And as we do that, I just believe the Holy Spirit is going to meet you where you're at and you are going to experience freedom. You're going to experience freedom, but you've got to believe, church. You've got to come in a position of faith and say, God, you are the one. The way, you're the truth, you're the life. Right now in Jesus' name. Father, we just take authority over every principality and power. And we bind it in Jesus' name. Father, and I declare freedom right now. I declare breakthrough right now. I declare hope coming back into lives right now. There is healing and divine restoration in this place in Jesus' name. You are the great I am. You are the one who heals. You are the one who saves. You are the one who sets free. At your hand, at your word, God, we thank you right now. In Jesus' name. Come on, push in church. Are you going to fight for faith this morning? Are you going to push back the enemy this morning? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. 
If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.